Welcome to the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast with your host, Buster Swoops and Michael Campbell. This week in preparation for Sabbath, July 29th, we look at Lesson 5, Horizontal Atonement, the Cross and the Church. Together, let's see the application of the cross to the church according to the book of Ephesians. The Sabbath School Rescue Podcast is hosted by Michael Campbell and Buster Swoops at the Adventist Learning Community. Together, we love learning and have 18 years of pastoral experience And now we have the privilege to dig deeper into the study. All right, Michael, here we are at Lesson 5, Horizontal Atonement, the Cross and the Church. Memory text is coming from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, the ESV. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace who has made us both one. Yeah, you know, this this is a beautiful passage that we're just going to be diving into with this second chapter. And as we've spent a little bit of time already with John Prent just recently, there's just so many rich connections here. Yes. So, Michael, take us take us to Christ, brought near to Christ, Sunday's lesson. Yeah, so there's basically two sections here, two sections. First of all is verses one through three of, of chapter two which talks about being made alive in Christ. You are dead in transgressions and sin in which you used to live, following the ways of the world and so on. And then moving from there into verses 11 and 12, which is expounding on this just a little bit more, Jesus who brings reconciliation, right? So, uh, and therefore, verses 11 and 12, therefore, remember that formerly you who were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves call themselves the circumcision, which is done by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise without hope and without God in the world. Uh, and I, I think this is significant because Pastor Paul is trying to remind us that uh, here's where we used to be, but then Christ doesn't leave us where we used to be. We've been brought near to Christ. And that's really kind of the, the focus of this chapter, or this 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 week, week five here as we're looking at this. It is. And we're brought near Christ through the church. and. And I think this is the beauty of Ephesians is we begin to realize that we live in community. We live in community. We are part of the body of Christ and, and we can't be separate from that. We may try. And at times there are divisions that bring in, you know, that's where the whole circumcision thing comes in. Divisions exist. We like to think sometimes that early Christians were perfect, but they weren't. They struggled. They had real challenges. And yet as Christ that brings them through this to to move beyond. And so in verse 13, which is part of our memory verse Mm -hmm. uh, for today, far off, brought near, far off, brought near. And Mm -hmm. so that is, that's where it's at, is we're part of that community brought near through Christ, which also brings about that process of reconciliation, which is the focus of, of Monday's lesson. Yeah, you know, I I like the extending nature of what this lesson is bringing out because it's not just reconciled 
God reconciling the church, but it's us reconciling with one another. And we see a little bit of that aspects of those aspects playing out here. So Ephesians chapter two, 14 and 16, I'm reading from the top of the, of the lesson here for he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in the flesh, the dividing wall of hostility. I'm going to get, not going to get too much into that because that's coming up here in Tuesday's lesson that, mm-hmm. that he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross. And so we, we see what God is trying to do here. He's reconciling us both, right? And making yeah. sure that he's doing it through the cross and he wants us to be one. As so the church, as you just talked about it, Michael, being yeah. brought near to Christ, he wants us to be one. It's not these, I think that's so important as we were talking about, we were talking with John McVeigh about this, that mm-hmm. we have such an individualistic mindset in the Western world. And yeah. that world collides heavily with the, you could say, the collectivist mindset of the Bible, of yeah. the group mindset of the one body. And I know we're going to talk about that coming up in weeks later, chapter four of Ephesians, of being that one body. But you see the aspects of, the, of, of being one here as well. And so it asks this important question, Michael, how does Paul describe the cross and the impact of Christ's work? there in each of these passages in Ephesians. Now, I'm not going to read all these, but I, I will say, as, as I was going through these earlier this week, uh, as a matter of fact, I'm just going to read a couple of these highlights, but Ephesians 1, 7, we see so many different things. We see in him, we have redemption through his blood, but it's not only that. We also see in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, and be kind to, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ has forgiven you. And so we see this aspect of what God has done for us and in return, how he wants us to treat one another. And that's played over. It's played over in Ephesians chapter five. And we see it more in Ephesians chapter two. We see it over and over of what Christ is wanting us to do. And the reason why he sacrificed himself is not just so he can save us as individuals, but so he can save his collective bride, his body. And so this is the gift of reconciliation. This is what the cross is for. One of the greatest scenes that God is looking for is his children working together in unity and in love. And so, Michael, that brings us to breaking down the dividing wall. How does that happen? Yeah. So we're back to 14 and 15, which you just read verse 14, but it asks this question of, you know, what action does Paul says Christ took towards the law, the commandments, right? So that's verse 15, setting aside in his flesh, the law with its commands and regulations. So he sets it aside and we're talking about the dividing wall. I think we have to remember that in the ancient Judaism, right? If you were to kind of do a little time warp back to Jerusalem and you were a Gentile, you would not be allowed to go into the main temple area. There was a dividing wall, a literal dividing wall. I know some people still wish they had a dividing wall. (laughs) You know, like, you know, maybe the vegetarians versus the non-vegetarians. I'm just being facetious, you know, but... But, but but isn't that the truth, though, that we create these artificial kinds of barriers that we make, we feel some people are more yeah. spiritual than others. And, and in the first century, that's what it was, is it was the the whole law of circumcision, you're paid, you're, I mean, you're, you're Gentile, right, versus you're part of the true people of God, the, the, the Israelites. And, and so that's, that's what, that, that's the reality of the first century, right? That's, and, and that's the reality of the Christian church, because most Christians were 
Jews, converted Jews, and as the gospel spread, then you have these Gentiles. And so that creates these natural tensions between these different groups and and the cultural barriers that were just inherent within their world, which they lived. And so, and the beautiful thing is, is that Christ breaks down those barriers. Yeah. Those walls. Yeah. And and I think as as Adventists, you know, thinking about this right now, we, we need to be very careful that we follow Christ breaking down walls rather than building them up. Mm. Yeah. Oh, preach that again, Michael. <laughs> yeah. And and so you know, it's all about Jesus. Jesus fulfills the law. And you know, I'm I'm reminded, you know, this is a little bit different, you know, the law in Galatians. I, I was just, you know, doing a little bit of Adventist history stuff at a camp meeting recently and the whole eighteen eighty eight saga, right? right. Um, and then people are getting worked up about those same kinds of things, different theological issues and, and not realizing that actually there's a bigger picture that's going on. And that's that all of these things are really to point to Jesus. And, and when we lose sight of Jesus, we miss the whole point of what the law was for all of these ordinances and everything else. And so that just brings us back to Jesus, our need for Jesus, which is the focus of, of Wednesday. You know, here, Michael, and I, I just, I remember I just reading my notes from earlier, and one of those mm-hmm. notes I wrote down is, we love to look at others to tear them down, to build ourselves up. Mercy. And Ooh. here is talking about Jesus, preacher of peace, and it's asking, yeah. what is what is Christ wanting from us? And I, I need our audience to hear this. I know mm-hmm. it's speaking to me directly uh, as well. And he came yeah. and preached peace to you who are far off and to those mm-hmm. who are near. So we see the yeah. oneness that's there. For through him, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Yeah. And the reason why I say that, because it asks this question, how does Paul imagine believers participating in sharing Jesus' message of peace? Well, it's, it's, it's in this. It's in us getting along, but also in us learning how to live with our differences while not compromising at the same time. And that's probably one of the hardest aspects of Christianity, which is having a strong conviction and not Mm -hmm. condemning others because they're not following the same conviction, even though we're worshiping the same house. Here recently, I saw a video that went out of another church's worship service. And in, I'll just say it, in the African-American community, it's commonplace. And in other communities, it's not. And there's a lot of bashing and saying, oh, if, the, if I were the conference president of this, I would shut the whole thing down. I'm just I'm just reading these comments and it's just like, you know, no one's asked you to go there. No one's asked you to preach. This is online. Yes, I get it. And it's not our cup of cup of tea. But when we share the same heaven and we're elbow to elbow with one another and mm-hmm. yet I see people literally condemning other people to hell because their worship style is different. And, and listen here. Scary I, prospect. It is. And that's the thing. If you have, and I, I've met people that have had a strong conviction of absolutely no percussion in their, their music and absolutely go for that. And no one's condemning you for that. But what I'm saying is we have to be very careful of making ourselves feel safe and secure just because we view ourselves as better. Yeah. And what, what, I, what do I mean by that is, and once again, this is, this is beyond percussion this is beyond drums this is beyond all all that what i'm saying is Mm -hmm. 
be careful of how we tear people down and condemn them to hell. Because when the, mm-hmm. when the word of God tells us, judge not lest you be judged, it's not saying that we can't correct our brothers and sisters. If you want to get in that conversation with your brother or sister because of your conviction, that's one thing. But it's saying that we have to be careful putting people in hell and putting them in heaven. Of saying, mm-hmm. oh, this person is so good. I guarantee you, like, oh, that's, that's not our call. Our call is to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ and allowing him to work it out. I'm not telling you to give up your convictions. What I am saying is be careful with 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 how we're doing it, especially with Jesus, the preacher of peace. What do I mean by that? Well, let's read here just a little bit. Ephesians 4, verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Uh, Ephesians mm-hmm. 6, 14 and 15, stand therefore, having yeah. girded your waist with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and verse 15, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In other words, wherever you go, even on social media platforms, there should be this peace and this unity that comes from our church. And the enemy is what love nothing more than for us to be tearing one another down. Because if we're tearing one another down, we're not tearing down his kingdom. He's tearing down ours. And, and, and by the way, we shouldn't have a kingdom at all. It's the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, there is peace and there is unity. And it doesn't mean uniformity, by the way. But what it yeah. does mean is commonplace of loving others as Christ has loved us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this is how the world will know that we're his disciples by the love that we have for one another. And so I, I charge us to please go out there with that peace. And if you have convictions, live by those convictions, but mm-hmm. be careful of condemning others immediately, mm-hmm. especially without yeah. having conversations about those. Rather than condemn, maybe perhaps another way of looking at it is, is have something other people want so it's contagious so people come into you and say hey whatever you have i love the way you worship so much that i need that in my life so i want to be a part of that so i want to experience that and uh, yeah if it's not your cup of tea then then just leave it alone right or somehow there's an issue of control where we like to control what others are doing rather than just focusing on ourselves or our own spiritual growth and i think that's a that's a key principle that we have to remember god doesn't call us to be conscience for others. <laughs> God calls us on to be responsible for our own personal experience. So rather than worry about other people's worship experience, to use your analogy, just why don't we work, worry about making sure that we have a vibrant living connection and worship experience with whatever particular church or church family or, or group you happen to be worshiping with. So you know, Michael, right along with that, before we transition to the, the last Thursday's lesson, I had yeah. a, we have a, a, a common student path, our pastor that's mm-hmm. now a colleague of ours, and he had a member that pulled him aside and said, Pastor, and I won't say which political party, but she says, I just don't see how anyone else can side with this other political party. If they Ouch. do, she's like, God just could never be with them because they X, Y, and Z. And not knowing that the pastor is actually with that other party. And you know what he did? He just said, you know what? I hear you, sister. He said, and I think that if Christ were here right now, he'd be calling and beckoning them all to side with the politics of heaven. <laughs> and, he, and, you know, he really took that time. He took the high road. He loved on her. He didn't condemn her in that moment. He, mm-hmm. didn't, he didn't push her down or anything like that. But he still ministered to her. And I think that's, a, like that's, a, that's a part, which is let's still minister and leave leave aspects where we can still minister to people, even in amongst disagreements. It takes some spiritual maturity to do that. It does. So, Michael, tell us about the church, a holy temple. 
Well, it's a great way to wrap up this week already. And Ephesians 2, again, this passage that we're talking about Jews and Gentiles, but towards the end, verses 19 to 22, it describes God's church as a holy temple, right? But what's intriguing is that we all are a part, are, are a part of that holy temple. It's not, and this is very significant. I, I think a lot of people get worried about the exterior functional, physical aspects of the church, right? And, and, you know, you and I have been to many churches, and I'm sure our listeners have too, where we, you know, you can see it has a steeple and has, usually has a pulpit up front or whatever, certain things that make it easily recognizable as a, a place of worship, a, a building, you know, as, as, as such. But, but, you know, our churches are not temples. Our physical churches are not temples. That is not where... Christ is, and as lovely and beautiful as they are, and I'm not saying we shouldn't have beautiful places to worship, right. but we need to remember what's more important, and that is the people that are worshiping inside. And, you know, if if we're really to understand that, then that should change our paradigm shift of everything else that we do, you know. Right. That, that building is only functional in as much as people come inside and gather together in community and collectively praise and worship mm-hmm. our, our amazing God that we have. And yes, that's interesting driving around. I've been driving across the, across North America with some camp meetings and I've been struck by how many empty churches, closed churches I've seen. Some of them are quite beautiful, spectacular, yeah. but you can see quickly inside. In fact, some are quite photographic, right? I've stopped inside the road and well, that's just, exquisite you know and and i've also seen a number of churches that have been converted <laughs> yeah to other uses <laughs> and, and and that's been quite intriguing to me as well from everything yeah. from houses to shall we say dining <laughs> places yes <laughs> and beyond yeah and you know we need to make sure that as beautiful as as a physical building is it, it just ceases its relevance when there are no more people. So let's make sure that we always keep that in check. And I think that's a big part of Ephesians too, as well as Pastor Paul is trying to remind us, he's trying to remind us again and again. And, and of course, we see that in other passages that are alluded. If you have more time, check out the references in Corinthians and, and Peter, First Peter. Um, again, this is not an isolated example, but but again and again, we find the same thing that church is where God dwells and God dwells in human hearts Amen. through his Holy Spirit, of course, yeah. too. So let's let's keep that all in check in a matter of perspective. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, a, it's important less to remember that we are the body and we are the church uh, mm-hmm. and we we have confused the building with the people and the people. Christ is not coming back for the buildings. The buildings will mm-hmm. eventually be destroyed, all of them. Yeah. But yeah. the body will live eternally. Love it. Yeah. Well, you know, horizontal atonement, we're saved by the, the cross of Jesus Christ, but he also lives out that experience and how we connect and relate with those around us. And that's that his horizontal aspect of the atonement. And both are, are important. I mean, obviously, we wouldn't be saved at all if it wasn't through Jesus death on Calvary, but we're also, we need one another and we need to encourage one another. And we need to remember sometimes when the, when we've made some mistakes, just like the early Christians are struggling over the whole, you know, issue of circumcision, but 
hopefully, you know, we don't allow ourselves to stay there either. And remember how Christ continues to bring us through those conflicts, those challenges. And what's amazing is not the conflicts themselves, but how we become stronger as a result of them. You know, Michael, I absolutely love that. And I I can't think of a better way to to end that note. And hopefully our audiences are listening will be convicted as I know I, I have been that mm. he is the governing body. He's a, he's a king of the body and he's the one that's drawing us to towards that reconciliation and needs to be one that's leading our lives. Well, I think that's a great place to stop for this week. So until next week, thanks for listening. This is Sue. And Swoops. Signing, signing out. As we wrap up, we want to give a shout out to our sponsor, the Adventist Learning Community, a ministry of the North American Division of Seventh-day Adventists. You can join us each week by subscribing on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Also, make sure you share with as many people as possible. And be sure to give us feedback by rating our podcast and go to our website, sabbathschoolrescue.org, for each weekly episode.